Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, October 22nd. The Titans practice report from Wednesday was headlined by the return of cornerback Adoree Jackson, who ran with the first team on defense on Wednesday. He's been close to returning for a long time, and his presence could not come at a better time as the Titans are set to face a truly dynamic set of skill weapons this Sunday. The Steelers have made a killing in the NFL on drafting and developing elite-level talent at the wide receiver position for decades, and the 2020 version isn't any different. From the franchise that gave us Swan, Stallworth, Ward, Holmes, Wallace, and Brown, this year's group features a quartet of homegrown weapons. Everyone knows how good Juju Smith-Schuster is as the team's number one. James Washington is a dynamic vertical threat. Rookie Chase Claypool is a fantastic red zone weapon that Pittsburgh will use in a variety of ways in the scoring territory. And Deontay Johnson is as good a number four as any team in the NFL has. All four were drafted by the Steelers in the second or third round in each of the last four drafts, and all four have between 24 and 28 targets on the year. Big Ben likes to spread the wealth, and this doesn't include tight ends Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald, Burner Ray-Ray McLeod, and Swiss Army Knife Jalen Samuels. This will be the most versatile and well-organized offense the Titans have faced to date, with a first-ballot Hall of Famer under center calling the shots. Anything Jackson can offer will be needed, even if it's just in limited spot duty. Malcolm Butler, Kevin Byard, and company are going to be under a lot of stress this weekend, especially if the pass rush doesn't get home, which it hasn't. And like the offensive line without Taylor Lewan asking for help from backs and tight ends, the secondary is going to need every contributor, including excellent coverage from the linebackers in space if they want to stop the Steelers' arsenal of weapons. Additionally, Jadavian Clowney, Michael Pruitt, and Isaiah Wilson all did not practice on Wednesday. Clowney was out with a knee injury while Pruitt and Wilson were listed as illness. Daquan Jones and Dennis Kelly were limited, but the most important name on the list was that of tight end Jonu Smith. He was a limited participant in practice and has become a focal point of the Titans' passing attack. After leaving the win over Houston early with an ankle injury, many feared it could be something that could keep him out for weeks. But early returns are optimistic that the dynamic red zone target may not miss any games at all. Having Smith available as a safety valve against a Steelers team that loves to bring pressure will be massive. His ability to make things happen after the catch is huge, and he and A.J. Brown are the only two pieces in the passing game that can actually do that, and his knack for getting open in the red zone is uncanny, not to mention having his ability to help in the run game. Having Smith and Jackson healthy this weekend is a huge positive, if they can go. I mentioned briefly on the show this week that Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee head football coach, fired defensive line coach Jimmy Brumbaugh over the weekend. I also mentioned that I didn't know if it was a sign of panic or that if it was an overreaction. What we didn't talk about is when it happened, and the timing of the dismissal is a huge piece of the puzzle that should change the way we analyze the move, if true. Coaches get fired, moved around the staff, demoted, and all sorts of nonsense after a college football team gets its ass kicked. It's not out of the ordinary, and it's not really a huge story, to be honest. Fans and media aren't inside the walls of a meeting room or or inside schematic planning sessions or recruiting visits or on the sidelines during games. So we don't know how these coaches and players interact with each other in an uncensored forum. So on the surface, the right answer to, are you concerned about Jeremy Pruitt firing a coach after four games? is normally, I don't know, or I'm not sure. We probably need more information and more time to see if it was the right move or not. However, when you allegedly fire a coach during a real live active football game, 
fans and media should have a totally different reaction. Kentucky Sports Radio reported on Tuesday that a source close to the UT football program alleges that Brumbaugh was fired during the game. I've covered college football across 130 campuses for almost two decades, and I have never heard of a coach being fired during the game. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but I have never had to report or comment on a story like that. And I mean, from a human element standpoint, think about what that would actually look like or sound like or feel like. What, after Tennessee gives up a first down on third and four, Pruitt does what? Screams into the headset, Jimmy, get the hell out of here, pack your shit, and stop by HR on the way out of Neyland Stadium, all right? Imagine being one of hundreds of players or coaches or communications people or interns on the sidelines or in the locker room as one of your peers or bosses is just axed in real time in front of everybody. Is it the end of the world? Of course not. Is it a sign of things beginning to collapse in on the extremely well-compensated head football coach? No, it's not. But it sure as hell ain't normal, and it's definitely not a sign of leadership or control or maturity. Only time will tell if the actual decision to fire Brumbaugh was the right move or not. And frankly, in the SEC, that's probably all that the fans will likely ever care about. But if the report is true, this is a borderline unprecedented move by a stressed-out first-time head football coach. It doesn't exactly instill a whole lot of confidence. That's actually all I got for you today, folks. Please check out a new episode of The Gold Standard, our Nashville Predators podcast that comes out on Thursdays featuring yours truly and my co-host, Adam Vingan from The Athletic. This week, we will give you a complete report card and final exam on the job that David Poyle has done as general manager and how much pressure he's under to win coming up this season. Also, make sure you vote, please. We are the world's greatest democracy because you have a say and that your vote matters. Please help decide the future of this amazing country that we all live in. As usual, thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. That's how we grow this thing. We do appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. This is the 440 for Thursday, October 22nd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.